0: From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker.
1: And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter.
0: And we are back to the drawing boards on a new round of coronavirus aid, it seems, because the latest White House proposal from last week landed with a thud on Capitol Hill. Democrats said it was too little, Republicans said it was too big, and so we're back to square one, it seems like. And now both sides are still pushing for action, and it's getting harder and harder to see a way out of this as we're just days now away, a couple weeks away from the November 3rd election.
1: Yeah, we have just three weeks until election day itself, of course, much of the country is already voting through a- absentee ballots, mail-in ballots, and early voting. Um, so we're already very well into what is now known as election season. Um, and so a lot of lawmakers are still hoping, though, that before voters vote, that they can get another round of coronavirus relief aid to the country, but they still seem to be really far apart on total spending level, as well as sort of the details of that language that has to be written into the bill. And it sounds like from these dear colleague letters and press releases and interviews um, from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, that they do not feel comfortable just giving the Trump administration sort of X amount of dollars for state and local aid. It sounds like Democrats really don't trust that the Trump administration is going to spend that how it's written in an effective manner, in a quick way to address all the sort of economic and societal issues that coronavirus is sort of wreaking on our society as we head into cold and flu season. And so Democrats want very tightly controlled legislative language. And it seems like that's sort of the go round they're on right now.
0: Yeah. But I mean, more broadly, I think what this is here, Jen, is this never-ending game of chicken where neither side is willing to give up, but both sides want action. The numbers keep moving around. You know, Democrats have been insisting on $2.2 trillion of aid. Republicans were trying to hold it to about $1 trillion. The White House now keeps, keeps upping the ante a little bit, step by step, the latest proposal last week was 1.8 trillion that's awfully close to where democrats are in fact but neither side is quite willing to 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 get there yet so let's talk about where we are right now jen because first of all well, let's let's look first with the house democrats and then what where the senate republicans are on the house side as you said they are really still trying to hold firm under pelosi they really want to see I think at least a $2 trillion number to claim a moral victory is what it looks like to me. The white house was at 1.8 trillion. So it's, it's not far and yet there's, you know, neither side wants to cave, but there's also signs that Pelosi there, there may starting to be cracks in the armor here among house Democrats, because we did see now some voices of dissent of, of some, we have some politically vulnerable moderate Democrats up for reelection and even a prominent voice on the progressive caucus, uh, Ro Khanna from California, in an interview with CQ Roll Call just just yesterday, said he wants to see a deal, and he's he's he wants to cut a deal. Now he's losing patience with this approach of of constantly holding out. So we're seeing some cracks. And Pelosi keeps issuing a flurry of letters to her caucus saying, "Hold tight, hold together." You know, we're getting our way, but here are all the problems we have with the White House proposal.
1: Yeah, this is a somewhat interesting approach from Pelosi. As someone who's covered, you know, appropriations, negotiations and government spending for years, typically they don't like to share this much information On the record in such a public way while negotiations are ongoing I mean I'm sure you're used to this as well when everyone gets very quiet and very hush hush that's usually a sign that negotiations are going well and right now we're getting a lot of communication from Pelosi's office and I don't think that's necessarily a product of the negotiations going horribly you know they're obviously not going great but I don't think they're completely in the garbage at this point in time but I think that's a product of she has all these vulnerable moderates up for elections. And she has these progressives who just really want to get aid into these communities that are so hard hit by coronavirus. And so she is under increasing pressure from her members to get some type of deal with the White House as soon as possible. Um, And so I think that's why we're seeing all of these sort of communications come from her office. But I think you know, Pelosi is this really sort of seasoned Washington negotiator. She's been through this time and time and time again, and she knows what she wants. And her and Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin um, for their part in, you know, the last three and a half years of federal government, they have been pretty successful at getting deals done. Um, so having them be the key negotiators here is a positive sign, but being just three weeks out from the election and having the tension that we've seen between Democrats and the Trump administration, that just really kind of slows down these issues, um, and really makes it harder for them to even reach an agreement in principle because they don't have all those details in bill text yet, and because there's such a lack of trust, um, you know, with Trump himself and with key members of his administration.
0: I mean, I've been struck. Pelosi's been on television virtually every day on on some kind of cable news show that whenever she can find to to tout her case. I mean, it's as much a public relations campaign as it as it's really been any any private negotiating going on but there may be reason to think Jen that that it's paying off for her i mean i mean they've been holding tight at 2.2 trillion dollars and it's the white house who keeps budging they've been inching gradually up closer and closer to the level that pelosi wanted maybe she's calculating that we don't know but maybe she's calculating that the longer she holds out here it may not be too much longer that the white house will meet them at 2 trillion or so and she can call it a moral victory that may be her game plan and so, by constantly going on TV every day and, and making her case, she thinks maybe it's putting pressure on the White House to cave even more and they're going to get their way. I'm not sure she will, but I mean, that may be the calculation.
1: Yeah, well, it seems like she has actually more support from President Donald Trump than Republicans do at this point in time. We've seen Senate Republicans, you know, in midsummer, they released that sort of $1 trillion series of bills. But Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell was not able to put that on the floor because he just didn't have enough support from Senate Republicans for a one trillion dollar price tag. And so what they did was then they released that first skinny bill that was, you know, give or take six hundred billion dollars, with about three hundred billion dollars in offsets. And that did have broad support from Senate Republicans. But what we've seen this week is a series of tweets from President Trump, you know, saying in all caps, you know, go big, you know, get coronavirus aid and He did that sort of very strange interview um, on conservative commentator Rush Limbaugh's show last week where he said he wants a number higher than Democrats want, which was really confusing and I think a little bit confusing for reporters and I think shocking to a lot of Republicans. Um, And so then there was a conference call on last Saturday between Senate Republicans Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, and Senate Republicans were uh, not particularly happy uh, with the sort of trending spending level for these negotiations and with some of the other elements that might be in a final bill. And so I think that is another element of these negotiations pre-election day that's really important to sort of pay attention to is that while Yes, Speaker Pelosi has moderates and progressives that really want a coronavirus deal. Uh, McConnell has a lot of Republicans who are very concerned about anything above $1 trillion. Um, And so if Mnuchin reads just an agreement with Pelosi... Um, it could be really challenging to hold a Senate floor vote on that if McConnell doesn't have a lot of Republicans who are going to vote for this deal. And that makes a pre-election day COVID aid package just so much more complicated.
0: I think that's an excellent point, Jen, because there does seem to be a disconnect to me between where Senate Republicans are and where Trump is. And that that could cause them real problems here in getting anything done. In fact, it was interesting because just Tuesday, as we as we tape, you know, McConnell announced this plan to to put out a new so called skinny bill that we know would include more funding for the Paycheck Protection Program for small businesses. We don't know what else is in it, but he says it's going to be targeted, so it's another version of his small skinny type of aid package that Democrats reject. And within minutes of him announcing that Tuesday. Trump issues a tweet saying, go big or go home on stimulus, completely contradicting McConnell's game plan here. They're
1: moving in opposite directions of each other, and they're both right. Republicans.
0: Right. That, that's what makes it doubly complicated, is, is how do you negotiate when 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 Senate Republicans aren't aligned with the president? And that, that may be why McConnell has left the negotiating to Pelosi and Mnuchin. McConnell has not. It, it's very unusual for
1: almost the entire year, not just on this package. Right.
0: I mean, which is kind of striking when you think about it that this that the majority leader of the Senate is not as does not have a seat at the table here.
1: Well, he's, he's, he's also the, in a tough reelection race. I mean, it's not extremely close, but he does have a challenge.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you would think as majority leader he he'd be at the table negotiating, and he's not. He's leaving it to Pelosi and Mnuchin to cut a deal. Apparently calculating as did as as it did work for him in the past aid deals that once they had a deal, the Senate would go along. So that may be his calculation again now. But boy, the, the mixed messages coming out between the White House and the and the Senate this time are, are really confounding. I mean it's it's really hard to understand where Republicans are because on the Senate side, they're just not comfortable with another large-scale aid package. It's the bottom line. They just don't like it. They don't Apparently, they don't think it's needed. That it all we have to do is get the economy back open and and make very targeted aid, but not another huge package. And Trump is saying he wants to go bigger, you know. He and, and of course he's feeling very very vulnerable as he battles for reelection. So I'm sure now Trump is calculating he needs a big aid aid package to to have any chance of saving his reelection. But that's across purposes with where the Senate is. So so. Um, we're going to have to see. I mean, that that's a real pickle. I mean, I don't see how they untangle this now with right before the election.
1: Yeah. And one of the issues that is obviously front and center on everyone's minds right now is the Supreme Court nomination process that's happening in the Senate. And so one of the things that I found really interesting um, just a couple hours ago when McConnell announced that they would be doing another skinny package on the Senate floor that doesn't really seem fully formed up yet, um, is that Republicans have been getting criticized repeatedly on cable news and during press conferences and at this Supreme Court nomination hearings for putting a Supreme Court seat, you know, filling that vacancy above or before getting a coronavirus aid package. And so...
0: Yeah, Democrats have been hammering them on that.
1: Yes, I think that timing is a little interesting. And, you know, why does McConnell feels he needs to do another skinny package, right? It wasn't that long ago that Republicans put that six hundred and so billion dollar package on the floor. They can still campaign on that. You know, he probably isn't gonna get enough Democratic support to move past procedural votes and actually get this approved and send it to the House for their approval. And so it just seems like a little bit more political theater. And I'm not really sure why at this point.
0: Democrats have been hammering him that, that what we need is is a a new coronavirus aid package, not a Supreme Court fight in the middle of an election. This, by moving this another skinny bill, it does give him the chance to say, well, see, look, we can pass an aid package right now and then get to the Supreme Court nominee. Uh, he knows full well this this aid package is not going to become law. Democrats don't think it'll be good enough. But it does give them a chance, I guess, to rebut Democratic criticism that they're not focusing on needed aid at a, instead of just focusing on the Supreme Court. He's, he's saying they can do both. So maybe it's designed to deflect that kind of Democratic criticism, but it's certainly not going to appease Democrats or satisfy them that this is any kind of real, um, a real aid package that they consider to be necessary. I guess that's where we are, which is another uh, confusing, (laughs) as I say, a never-ending game of chicken here on on virus aid at a time when we should say there's now over 210,000 deaths. And now health experts are warning that that the pandemic is only going to get worse, it seems like, as we head into the winter season. Um, This is not going away anytime soon. And so the pressure on Congress... To do a new aid package is only going to intensify, whether before or after the election. Um, This is not something they can escape from. And yet, there's no easy solution in sight here. And so we still await, we will be watching very closely um, any developments on this front. And of course, I guess the next big step here, short of a breakthrough between Pelosi and Mnuchin in coming days, would be uh, look for action on the Senate floor next week and we'll see we'll see some kind of skinny aid package delivered by McConnell that will probably pass on a party line vote so that's where we are right now that does it for us today if you've any questions or comments about our podcast we'd love to hear from you you can drop us an email the address is cqpodcast one word at cqrollcall one word.com The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker.
1: And I'm Jennifer Schott, budget and appropriations reporter.
0: Remember, you can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week.